welcome to the Press Start Podcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan, joined today by my fellow gamers and co-hosts, Shannon. Hello. James. Hello. Brody. Hello. And Harry. Hello. On the show today, we're going to be talking about Street Fighter VI, Gollum, and The Last of Us Factions. But Harry, you're joining us on the podcast, which I think it might have only been your second, third time on the show. It's not often we get yeah. Harry. Does that sound I about right? I think the last time was Elden Ring, which would have Elden been... Elden Ring. Yeah. So it's first but, on the yeah, video. Yeah, over a year ago. Been first on the video. First on the video, yes. Video is. debut. Well, we're lucky enough to have you on the show today because you're here Face to reveal. share your review. Of- <laughs> <laughs> Highly <laughs> anticipated, <here> to- <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're here to share your review of Diablo 4. Uh, and first, I want to ask, what's your history with Diablo? Have you played Diablo games in the past? Yeah, I played a lot of 3. I think 3 is probably the one I played the most. Um, I played it on PC uh, and Reaper of Souls, which is like the major expansion. Um, I also played it on Switch when they did um, the Eternal Collection, I think it's called. Um, And then also played Diablo 2 Remastered last year, I think that was. Um, Right. So so plenty of Diablo experience coming into your review. How did you then find 4? I really liked it. I I loved it, actually. Um, it, It was... It feels much more in line with Diablo 2 as opposed to like 3 or Immortal. Um, it's much more grounded, like not just in art style, but in like the way it approaches narrative and characters. Um, yeah, it was a good time all around. It feels like a Blizzard title of old is the best way to describe it. Um, just like really yeah. feature complete, polished. Yeah. I noted in your review, you said it wasn't just like a return to form for Diablo, but Blizzard more generally. Yeah, well, it feels uh, like recently with like the cancellation of like Overwatch 2's PvE mode and, um, you know, among other things, Diablo Immortal really didn't please people. Um, yeah, it feels like remarkably um, like high quality um, is like a clear focus and intent. Like it feels felt like the team really wanted to make it. Um there's a lot of love poured into it, I think. Yeah, I think you noted how kind of tight the direction was. And it sounds like it was pretty clear that there was like a particular vision that they had that they wholeheartedly yeah, sought to deliver. I, th- I think that's why it's like drawn so much attention from like pre-release marketing and things like that. Because it comes through in the trailers as well. Um, like that cinematic that they revealed at the Game Awards, I think it was. Um, yeah. Just like the tone and the mood that they managed to set with their art direction um, and world design is, is really impressive. Um, and that sort of like holds through the entirety of the game as well. Um, mm. It goes a long way to setting up like a believable world. You uh, you mentioned the narrative and that that cinematic trailer again that you've just referenced there. Like that appealed to me as someone that's got no attachment to Diablo. Mm. Like what what would you think is like fair to compare the narrative to if you were to try and like entice me to play the game as a newcomer? Um. I don't know. You know I love a good story. Yeah, I, I would say it's like most similar to, uh, I mean, I, I would say Diablo 2, but I mean, you're probably from like the perspective of a series outsider. Um, I don't know. It, it's quite unique in the way that like uh, they like sort of detail the conflict between heaven and hell, like angels and demons. Like instead of saying one side is right, it's sort of like a gray area, especially in four. Um, The reality is that it's, like, somewhere in the middle. Um, I think, like, three sort of leaned into the idea of, like, you know, heaven and angels and, like, everyone loves Tyrael, right? He's, like, this really cool angel and he's super mega powerful, like a paragon, that sort of thing. 
Um, Diablo 4 doesn't really have any of that. It's much more based in like the humans that are caught in the conflict um, in between. Um, so yeah, I, like I don't really know. I, I don't know what to compare it to, to be honest. It, it, like it's a hard one. It feels quite unique um, yeah. in that sense. Well, that's a, that's a good thing nonetheless. Um, I noted as well that you said there was potential to create a number of different character builds. So what sort of play styles were you gravitating towards in the game? What other ones kind of caught your eye as well? Yeah, um, I played Rogue um, for like all of my campaign playthrough, um, which was, I think the campaign was close to 15 hours, maybe a bit more. Um, yep. And I also did a bunch of post game on the same character as well. Um, the build that I ended up landing on, um, rogues, like obviously like swords, bows, crossbows, daggers, that sort of thing. Um, but like a lot of their skills focus on traps, um, and also like what the game calls imbuements, which is basically like imbuing your weapons with an element. Um, I, you like rogue could choose from three elemental imbuements, but I ended up using shadow, um, which makes enemies vulnerable. So they take more damage. Um, and if you kill them w with shadow damage, they'll explode as well. Um, so I sort of gravitated towards this glass cannon build um, where you get in enemies' faces, um, hit them with shadow, and they all eventually explode um, into into showers of loot. Um, but there was also, like, that was sort of a ranged melee hybrid build. Um, you could go, like, strictly range, um, or if you wanted, you could go all melee. Um, you could go mm. heavier into traps, heavier into, like, focusing on your imbuements um there's stealth ability so you can go invisible um and that's just the rogue um like that's one of i think five classes at launch um so it's pretty expansive in terms of like the options you have i know that the barbarians have like weapon specialties um where if you use a certain class of weapon for long enough you gain more proficiency with it um necromancer you you've got like your typical menu control but also like shadow and blood magics and things like that um and i'm sure that, that i didn't have the time to test every single class um but i'm sure that also extends to to the druid which is an, a new class um sorcerer um the other ones that they have there as well so plenty of options and I seem to recall you as well talking about the progression system as well and how kind of rewarding that was. Yeah. Like how these new abilities you're picking up, are they coming at you pretty thick and fast as, to, as well? Yeah. The the level cap is level 50. Um, so you have 50 or 49 skill points to play around with technically because um, once you hit 50, you start what's called Paragon. Um, but you, like, you're leveling up pretty quickly. Um, you're getting XP for like everything you're doing. Um, main story quests, side quests, cellars, dungeons, like discovering new areas gives you XP. Um, mm. It's being like given to you hard and fast all the time. Um, and then you also have uh, region reputation, which is like you do side quests um, and things in regions to gain like reputation in these zones that will give you additional skill points um, yeah. alongside other things. So you're getting skill points all the time um to invest in this tree um sort of like a typical skill point tree i guess um but so the coolest that's where thing some of the exploration becomes quite rewarding then I yeah think. exactly like you always get something out of it um but what's cool is that you can respec all of your points at any time for like a gold cost um and you're getting money all the time so it doesn't really feel like too expensive if you want to just yeah. completely respec everything um and try something else um, and that isn't reliant on your equipment um, and like your armor and things like that. 
um, yeah. you can pretty well try something out whenever the hell you feel like it, um, yeah. which is like really cool. Some added flexibility. Um, allows I love you to been able to play around with different abilities. Yeah, exactly. It like means that. that like if you invest points in something that maybe you aren't gelling with after a few hours, you can just respect, try something else. Yeah. yeah. Brody, to jump over to you, have you played any Diablo games at all? Has Diablo 4 caught your eye? Yeah, I played Diablo 3 a bit on, on Xbox with a few mates and we got into it a bit. Like we might have, I think we finished the story, which was probably rare for me for that sort of game at the time. Uh, mm. We played around with like some of the torment levels and then they left me behind there because I wasn't really up to it. Um, <laughs> I did play the beta for this one and it is obviously markedly pretty different. Um, I've heard everyone say online that it sort of recaptures that tone and feel from 2, so um, which is obviously... Uh, probably one of the more celebrated games in this in the series, um, but yeah, I probably played that beta till I got to about level twenty. Got you know a handful of story missions in, and I can definitely see the appeal of the narrative because I'm a pretty big narrative guy too. So um, yeah, I'm definitely keen to get into it. It looks like it's gonna, and it, with the way you're talking about how like XP is like a constant thing that ticks over, it's just gonna keep like feeding that part of my reptile brain that yeah. I'm just like, ooh, maybe I'll play Destiny again as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it's Go like. Going for those dopamine hits. The one more thing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and it is cooperative, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, a big I, part of I only game. played a little bit of co-op. Um, obviously, review window is quite limited, um, but the, in, the entire campaign is co-op. Um, I, a lot of the end game stuff I did felt built for co-op. Like, I was able to do it solo. Sure. Um, barely. It was very difficult. Um and you can unlock higher world tiers and things like that. It's also split screen on consoles, um, which is cool. Um, you have yeah. couch co-op um, on PS5 and um, your Xbox consoles. So, Do you know how progression works for the cooperative sort of experience? Is it kind of tied to you as a player or can you progress your own um, I believe it's, with a friend? it's, yeah, you can progress it. Um, I'm nice. not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure I recall the developers saying that any progress you make with another player will carry over um, unless you're skipping parts of the story that you haven't done yet so, sure yeah. yeah that's what we'd love to hear um okay cool then my last question for you on diablo 4 seeing as you seem to be speaking so positively about it i think your score is nice and high as well yeah. is this a game of the year contender in your mind mm, i think it no really defender exists <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. hard i mean i think it as- definitely has the potential to be nominated for sure um yeah like it, it it's good because it, it does what it does really well, but I wouldn't say that it breaks any new ground. Like it doesn't really do anything that Diablo hasn't already done really well, um, sure. or other ARPGs for that for that matter. Um, which I think is what a lot of people tend to look for in Game of the Year. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it did get nominated and it was part of you know the voting process and things like that. So yeah, so yeah. maybe it would make like a top ten list, but a top five it might struggle. Definitely a top like ten. That. Definitely a top ten. Yeah, yeah. I d- like definitely think people should check it out, um, especially if you're a fan of like looters, um, Diablo, anything like that. You love those yeah. like gear progression, that sort of thing. ARPGs. Um, yeah. Um, definitely well it certainly sounds like for Diablo fans there's a lot to love but yeah like uh, as I mentioned as a newcomer I'm intrigued by this one particularly a cooperative sort of experience too with a strong narrative that generally seems to speak to me Um, you can of course find Harry's full review over on the website at pressout.com.au where you'll also find James's review of Street Fighter 6 and speaking of a return to form James it sounds like you rather enjoyed Street Fighter 6 yeah I did Ewan who would have thought? No, but um, <laughs> but like real talk, like Street Fighter Five um launched really, really badly, and it took like them a good two to three years to really like 
get on top of it all. Um, but this mm. just like hits a home run in every aspect from the beginning. Like I, I think it's really exciting um, to have like a fighting game. Um, and it's interesting to, as well, just quickly, like it's the first fighting game I think since smash ultimate to get like above 90 on meta, which is like crazy when you think about how much stuff has come out since then. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's genuinely good. Like it, it's trying to, cause street fighter five was very much, they, they kind of pushed it out so that people could get, you know, going for esports and stuff. And that's like fine to do. And I get that that's your hardcore audience, but it really misses. Like there was no content in there for like every, anyone else. Um, sure. so like, I feel like with this, they've really tried to appeal to people who want to play solo or people who want to play like hardcore, um, with just all these different modes and options and different ways to play. Um, yeah, like, and, and not like kind of neglecting anybody in the process. Like, I think that's the, that's the, the difference here is like, there's, um, like it's hard to, hard to put into like words. If you want so, to see my words. Go read my review. But, <laughs> I, thought, um, I thought you were going to say there it was missing like an appeal to, to casual players, which I thought maybe you were referring to its shortage of costumes, which I think was one of your f- like handful of complaints to it. Not yeah, I think many. I think <clears throat> I think in terms of casual players, I just mean like some people pick up a game, fighting game to play through like an arcade mode, see the story, um, yeah. and just do do other stuff besides just fight each other online in like a tournament sure. setting. Um, and I think like Netherrealm has really got that down really well with Mortal Kombat. And that is why that game sells so well, I think is because it is so appealing to such a wide range of people. Um, but this did feel like a step in the right direction in that there's a full blown single player mode, which is like a semi open world action RPG in the world tour mode. Um, but then there's also all this other cool shit for the multiplayer, um, which we'll get into later, I guess. Um, but world tour mode has like one of the most in-depth character creators that I think I've ever seen in a video game. Like, I don't know how you can just create literally anything. And if you, if you were to Google this shit that people be making in the beta, most of it's like horrible, but you can, <laughs> this is the look of your character. I take it. Yeah. And not just like, <clears throat> so you like create your own character in world tour, you create your own character, take them through the, and take them through a story basically. Um, yeah while exploring like all these different areas around the world and recruiting people and learning their style, um, like as in characters from the game and then creating your own character from the moves you learn from them. So you get to create your own like little street fighter, um, or big street fighter, I guess, depending on your size. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like it's a, it's a really, really cool system, a cool idea. Um, the, the actual story is interesting. Um, I don't, I don't really want to get into the end of it because it is quite, it gets pretty dark pretty quick, which is quite surprising. Um, mm. but overall, like, yeah, it's a really solid single player offering. I did say in my review, um, and I don't know if this is unfair, but like, I can see this, this formula working better with Mortal Kombat because that has different worlds to go and explore that are much more, you know, like, you know, out in, in those games, there's just a lot more into the lore and the characters and stuff I feel. Whereas with Street Fighter, it's really just, you meet somebody, they want to become the best fighter they teach you some moves. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, a, a crazy, like amount of difference in the characters and the motivations. Cause there's not a lot of that law. I mean, there is law obviously in the street fighter world, but not as much as say something like mortal Kombat. but overall, like it's fun to just go around and just beat people up. Like it's like, you can literally just like hit someone. It goes straight into a fight, no load screens or anything like that. Battle them, get some XP and then go go on your way exploring and finding more Sounds stuff. Sounds like a, like a Pokemon encounter, the way you describe <clears throat> it like that. A little. 
a little bit more action heavy, I would say. But it gets like kooky. Like you, you break into like a science lab and you have to fight fridges that are spitting food at you, or like there's like a gang that they they wear boxes on their heads and that's how they like identify themselves. So you're fighting these like blind box people. I um, wish I could fight the fridge and Atomic Heart. <laughs> Sounds yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. At least you don't want to do anything else to the fridge in Atomic Heart. <laughs> is all I'll say on that front i've seen yeah, you- <clears throat> a bit of sentiment online about it like being really good for, for newcomers which is interesting to me because i don't think i've played the last few but i used to play a lot of street fighter back in the day um and it sounds like the world tour mode and it having a story like definitely lends itself to those I, who just want to play through that i, d- I did want to ask you about the the different control schemes as well james because there, there yeah. is like a much more approachable control control scheme in six right yeah, so um, just quickly, going to what Shannon said, World Tour Mode is like a really good way to learn the game without just sitting through a bunch of tutorials. Like, it does a yeah, really cool. good job of introducing you to all the concepts and stuff. Um, but yeah, the other side of that coin, I would say, is I, I do feel like fighting games are quite overwhelming for a lot of people, um, especially if like, you're playing against somebody who's been playing them for ages. Um, like, and it's, it's hard to like, if you're good at a fighting game, it's hard to like kind of scale it back and play like poorly so that your friends can win do you know what i mean like it's like it's it's really hard but with um there's like two extra control schemes that you can use in this game one's called modern one's called dynamic modern um basically simplifies the controls to um like a four button setup rather than six i know that probably doesn't sound like a lot um but it just makes it easier for people to you don't have to put in these complicated like command strings or anything to pull off um attacks you just need to like press a direction, a button, and a move will come out. Or you hold a trigger and press a button, and combos will come out. Um, <clears throat> and that's like really cool to me, like because I feel like it, it takes away a lot of that sense of like overwhelmingness. Um, but it also, like the the if you you means you can pu- push out a lot of moves quicker. So because of that, there is a slight damage scale in place. Um, so you do slightly less damage, but you can do a lot more in a span of, say, 30 seconds than, like, a normal player could. Um, and then on top of that, there's dynamic mode, which is basically just... Um, I would never play it myself or let anyone in my house play it. But, like, it just you just mash a button and um, you can just do all this cool shit. Like, it's super simple. Super. It's basically really good if you've got at a party, I guess, and you just want to chuck it on and nobody knows what they're doing. Um, and you can just do some cool shit by mashing buttons. Um, <laughs> so... That's like a cool touch. I, I didn't think they needed to do that, but that the fact they have is really cool. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's just like, I feel like a lot of fighting fighting games, like I said, have this problem where they're just overwhelming and they're a little bit gatekeepy in a way. Um, like I yeah. even just said then, I wouldn't let people play dynamic mode. Um, but like, <laughs> so I'm part of the problem. But like, I, I genuinely feel like this is quite an earnest way to get people into fighting games um, if they have been wanting to for a while. Um because like you've like yes like in Dragon Ball you had auto combo and stuff like that but they just those all feel kind of like whatever whereas this is like a full control scheme that's reflected in the move list like it it just it just feels like a much a lot of more effort and thought has been put into it um mm. which i think is great like i think it's a really good like initiative i hope it does pay off for them um obviously critically it has um and even that i feel like in saying that like a lot of critics have resonated with this a lot more than other fighting games and i do genuinely feel like that is because it is so much easier to get into and it teaches you all the concepts in such a clever way um right down to like if you like a specific character there's like a 
you know, specific things that will teach you through the basics of the character and then advanced stuff you can do with the character for every character. Yeah, cool. Like, I just think that's, like, a really cool... I know a lot of fighting games do that already, obviously, um, but the way that Street Fighter Six lays it all out is just, like, very approachable is probably the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah, it um, that all really speaks to me. Like, I very, very rarely play a fighting game. They're really not my cup of tea. Like, we, I think we've spoken about that in the show in the past, but... Like Brawl, I enjoyed, um, or Ultimate, I should say. That would have been the more recent one I played. Anyhow, the Super Smash Bros. Brain, or Super Smash Bros. Brawl game, games. <laughs> I've also, <laughs> I str- always struggle saying that title. Um, I've always enjoyed, but um, yeah, I like. I've liked in the past that they've had a bit of a loose story kind of setting up the fights. So I'm glad that this does too. And yeah, like even kind of um, tutorials I can go through um, to kind of learn some of those different movesets. Like that all resonates with me as well. It's just a very busy year. So I don't know if I'll get around to playing I think this, the, but at least like, yeah, I think the thing with Street Fighter that this has though is like the story doesn't like, yes, the story is there and it's good but like you can sure. jump in at any point and like all and the, the cool thing about six is it's only going to get better <laughs> like they're just going to keep adding more characters or yeah you know tweaking the um the moves that might be a little bit overpowered or whatever like it can only get better from here it's not like five where the, it, the future was in question um yeah so like yeah jump in whatever you want and i think like capcom is expecting that um but yeah i yeah. think it's definitely worth it. it it's the one to try I'm interested to see if Mortal Kombat will do anything similar where they're trying to appeal to newer, char- newer characters, newer people or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be curious to see how all of these uh, fighting games kind of shake out at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, I'm pleased to hear that you both enjoyed Diablo 4 and Street Fighter 6, um, but I was disappointed, uh, and I guess not all that surprised, to see that Gollum is languishing in the reviews. Um, Shannon, maybe I'll come to you first on Gollum, because I know you have some sort of weird fascination with the character. (laughs) What was your reaction to seeing the review scores kind of gradually come in? Uh, And can you last recall, when can you last recall a game reviewing so poorly? Yeah, like this is, feels like the first one that's been like shat on, Um, just like, really shadow not like a couple of sixes like i'm talking like one two threes and fours i can't remember like in my yeah and in my like 10 years of press start i can't remember a game with like such notoriety like lord of the rings is one of the the biggest franchises in the world that has come out in that state like even as a licensed game like you get your Mm. fives and sixes but this is like broken and awful maybe the only one would be colonial marines like aliens yeah yeah true Yeah. But even like this I was like Colonial the first Marines. next gen reveal. Like this was like sure. it yeah. was <laughs> it was put on a pedal like this should have been good. Like it got all the covers, it got so much notoriety. Like it was being like put on a pedestal by NVIDIA and like next gen console makers is like this graphical powerhouse. And you just see Gollum like floating through the air <laughs> in like a glitch state in video. I will say it's, this it's, is like one of the best things about TikTok is like getting clips like this just yeah, like, so good. And in a weird way, like I'm sure it is working for its it marketing, maybe not to this level. Like it is like broken and, and crap. So bad, it's good kind of thing. It's probably yeah. selling more than yeah. it would have other, like without it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad. I don't, I don't get how it's, it's come out in this this state to be honest given the length it's taken 
Well, the developer has since apologized for the state of the game and committed to fixing what they can, which would be the bugs and technical stuff, but the overall game Not design game. is yeah. <laughs> Not likely to improve, unfortunately. Um Brody, how have you rated, I guess, the reaction to the reviews and like how how could you expect them realistically to re- like respond to the kind of reviews they're getting? Ah, uh, look, I think they've more or less copped it on the chin, haven't they? Like they've basically said, yeah, look, we know it's probably not that good. Uh, we might be capable of better. Like yeah. I don't even know what else Daedalic have done. Um, so uh, yeah, look, it's unfortunate, but I think they've probably just taken it in stride and they'll probably be happy to move on to the next thing once they patch this into whatever state it winds up and being. And they have. Yeah. yeah. It was an interesting, I'm sure you watched this too, Brody, but it was an interesting tidbit to come out of Phil Spencer's conversation with Kind of Funny a few weeks back, like off yeah. the back of Redfall's poor reviews. Yeah. Because um, he was sort of saying, like, look, we we kind of mock review these and we had an inkling of how this was going to do. And, like, like, we knew it had some shortcomings, but he didn't seem to kind of, he seemed to be surprised that it was reviewed as negatively as it was and perhaps mm. the mock reviews were a little bit more generous than what they were in reality. Do you think in a situation like this, Gollum, they kind of knew what was coming or would any of this have been a surprise? I don't, like, all it took for, like, I'm Were sure everyone was in the tents? same. Yeah. Yeah. We really thought Gollum was going to be a sweep. Like, Gollum sweep at the Game Awards. Like, I feel like it only takes looking at that screenshot where he's sitting there like, to know that this game was not going to be <laughs> not going to be great. You're going to have to watch the video version of the podcast on YouTube to see Brody's impersonation of Gollum. Yeah. There, oh, we should all do it. We should all do it now. Make it the Maybe thumbnail. we should do it for the thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. I was genuinely going to say we should get the thumbnail at some point in this episode. Uh, do we all want to do a Gollum impersonation? <laughs> Just That's good, James. Guide. That's good. The, the Gollum oh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh. <laughs> um anyhow they still it's still reported that, that they're working on another game based on the lord of the rings um harry maybe i'll come to you can you see this eventuating and if so can they turn things around i don't know i i guess it really depends on like golem sales and how <laughs> it's wb publishing right like how committed they are to it um like Brady, I don't know WB. what else. Yeah, I don't know what else Data Lick have worked on. Um, it's obviously sales. like it's a Far Cry adventure games. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's literally just point and click adventure games. It's, it's obviously like, doing yeah. better than like it would have. Like with with all this, like like you said, TikToks, like viral marketing, people talking about it is generating <laughs> some interest. Um, yeah, but it's definitely a Far Cry from like Shadow of Mordor or Shadow of War yeah. and Middle Earth games. Can um, I say, like, be interesting Gollum, to see if... <laughs> Gollum is, like, one of Gollum my favourite characters <laughs> of all time. But, like, he sounded shit at the start. Like, the, like a, a stealthy Gollum game, like, sounds like absolute ass, and it did from day one. Like, I just think the like, second all I heard the about it, it sounded to awful. from Lord of the Rings. Like, why Well, he can't not? do anything. Like, exactly. Like, he can't do anything. He needs to be sidekick well, to like, someone who can fight. Following from Middle Earth as well probably doesn't help because that was like yeah. a quite a solid Lord of the Rings adaptation in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, not good. I just stealth is a- so hard to do in games, like in good games, let alone um, when you make that your whole thing. 
as cute as Gollum is. Like, it, it's, it's not going to happen. It's been done well before, but with just like far more interesting characters than Gollum, like Dishonored or Hitman. You know, Mate, like, you know, settle down. This is going to get first. <laughs> like the whole Lord of the Rings franchise is based around him. Like he's pretty interesting. <laughs> based around him? What are you talking about? Literally. Can't yeah, but like interesting, interesting as a no, character like doesn't necessarily to translate to, to gameplay, right? Like He was trying to, to take it for himself. He was trying to stop it. Who would have anyway, thought this episode would man. have resulted in Shannon and I coming to blows <laughs> over Gollum? Uh, well, I do hope we see another Lord of the Rings game, the quality of the Middle Earth games, um, at some point in the future. And at the same time, I hope one day we'll see The Last of Us Factions, which had some concerning news surrounding it this week, following a report from Bloomberg suggesting development had slowed down at the studio as the studio reassessed the game's quality and longevity and reevaluate its direction. Naughty Dog released a statement saying the game needed more time. Um, Brody, I'm going to come back to you. Does this game see the light of day? Like... I think it definitely does. Yeah, yeah, of course. I I think it definitely comes out. Like, this is why they brought Bungie in, isn't it? To, like, make sure that these things are going to end up having legs. Because last thing you want is to, like, pump this thing out, I guess, from a developer, Naughty Dog, who doesn't have that sort of uh, pedigree, I I guess, to, like, put out a live service game. So, like, it is a setback, sure. And I'm sure your little heart broke during the week. But, um, yeah, look, I think this is ultimately for the better of it. But if it doesn't see the light of day, I'm working on a tinfoil theory that Bungie are still working for Xbox. Oh. They're still <laughs> they they're being paid by Xbox to sabotage all these live service <laughs> games. Yeah. But no, seriously, look, I think I think it comes out definitely. Like, they can't what take the a hit like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, would it surprise you to hear that I played some of the original Last of Us Factions yesterday? No, you and that wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. And let me tell you, the only Fantastic people still playing game. that game are like hardcore and they don't mess around. And for someone that hasn't played it in like 10 years to dive back in, it was not a good time. Um, but yeah, Brody mentioned Bungie reportedly being brought on to consult on the game and they questioned the game's kind of long-term appeal. Um, certainly seems that people have fallen off the original bar, a few passionate few what do you think the factions needs to do in future to sustain a long-term player base? Are you asking me that? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you that, that question. <clears throat> Probably the I least mean, qualified person. To- <laughs> well, it was yeah, never going to be for James, so that's... I could never see the appeal of this in the first place, but... I mean, if they have a plan... I feel like if they have a plan, like, in terms of like long-term content, like making sure they're adding stuff to it. And I feel like with this, a lot of people care about the last of us because of the story more so than the game. So like, I feel like there would have to be some kind of angle there that kind of fleshes out the world a bit more. Um, I don't think it can just be a typical service based game. It almost, I feel like Bioshock two vibes almost. If anyone remembers that, that was kind of the idea of that didn't get executed that well, but, um, yeah, like I, I think that's what the the main point of difference would have to be, but then that seems to be too expensive. So, like, I don't know if that's something they would do um, for like free content drops. You know, yeah, um, it might be cool so if there yeah. was like some sort of like settlement kind of builder component to it as well. Like the what I liked about factions and like what the stress of the game was that like there's kind of this. Um, 
through line to each game that you've got like a band of survivors that are represented on your lobby screen that you're gradually adding to by completing challenges and the bigger it grows the better you need to perform in games to kind of sustain your um your survival group or survivor group whatever it's called like basically you need to earn enough points within each game to kind of keep them fed and healthy and stuff i mean it it provides this kind of nice stressful thing so if they expanded on that sort of idea and embedded some story into it as well that could be neat but that's kind of what state of decay is like i yeah 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 i don't know if that's the angle they should take but yeah yeah that could be uh, it's it's hard to do that and keep the quality of of story and characters and narrative like that the last of us has, um, which is going to be the big challenge with this. Um, It's tough, right? Like there's not many um, live service games that, that do well. Like most of them do well initially, but none of them really last more than like, you're lucky if you last a month and still have a decent player base compared to your first week. Um, And the last thing Sony would want is that happening to a franchise like this that's like just had 30 million people watching its debut season on HBO. So yeah. it's hard. I wonder if they had their time again, would they just drop something, factions like in The Last of Us Part 1 remake or something, do you think? Yeah. I but going back to what James easier. said, like I feel like a lot of the appeal with Last of Us and like Naughty Dog in general is like story and character stuff. Um, and like it has been like, I feel like the reaction to this being like, pushback has been a bit like blown out of proportion probably because it's been so long since our last naughty dog game and people really want to see what's next um and there also might be this like pre-built expectation of what factions is going to look like um given their recent stuff um but if it comes out like as strictly live service um which like shannon said notorious for not delivering like only recently in the last few years has bungie gotten a grip on how to tell stories um through destiny which has been going for 10 years now um and even then they dropped the ball with lightfall this year um like if factions can't deliver like so many Mm. people are going to fall off of it because that's the core of it for them like if the characters aren't there and the narratives aren't there like it's going to lose interest for so many people i feel yeah i don't know maybe i'm like in the minority here my brother is just texting me asking if i want to play more factions there you go um Maybe I'm in the minority here, but I don't feel like I need a game that I could play for 10 years. And I don't feel like I need a Last of Us story from this game. Like I, like if part three eventuates, which I'm sure it will. Like that's kind of what, that's the sort of story I want. I'm not fussed about it too much in Factions. I just kind of want to see what idea they had for mm. multiplayer kind of come to life. Particularly yeah. if there's some sort of cooperative sort of element to it. But like, I think the idea behind Factions is really quite a neat one. And if that was given a bit more sort of modern polish and a fresh sort of execution, it could be really quite a neat thing. Maybe it wouldn't do the numbers of Fortnite or whatever, but like, does it need to? Can it not be a game that you spend $60 on and play for a year? Like why does... Well, I think it, I think it can, but that would be a change of strategy. Like I think if this was going to be a live service, it probably would have been free or like we were saying in the top tier of PlayStation Plus or something like that, and they would have made their money I back think, through, though, through transactions. Yeah. Sony, especially with the showcase, has kind of demonstrated that they are moving towards that. So, like, I think that's why we're kind of assuming that's what they want to make factions into. Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess my issue is, like, a broader one with PlayStation strategy as it pertains to live service games. 
maybe it's not strictly speaking last of us factions but yeah their strategy more broadly anyhow i'm sure we'll talk about that plenty more in the future i do have a rapid fire question for you all and i want to circle back to golem which you discussed earlier in the show and like ask in a more personal level what was a game that you were looking forward to that ultimately fell flat or didn't hit nearly as hard at launch as you wanted to brody's thinking you're all looking at looking like you're thinking shannon let's start with you what's a game you were super excited for for. (laughs) (laughs) um god that's that's tough i can tell what my answer is if you want if that would help go for it just kick us off i remember back in i think i was high school weirdly being excited for the medal of honor reboot I don't, uh, I don't know why. Oh, I think yeah. I was like a Battlefield fan, and I looked at trailers of that game and thought, "This game's gonna be the shit." This is it. Came out, and it was just shit. <laughs> and yeah, I remember yeah. reading the reviews at the time, going, "Fuck." I'd, I'd say like Jack Three for me. Like Jack Two is like one of my favorite oh. games of all time, and it was, it's not bad, but like it's not as good as Jack Two, and it took a step backwards in terms of like what yeah. it was. So for me. I'd say that I remember like not loving as much. Still played through it, but it wasn't as groundbreaking. Yeah, that's fair. James? <sighs> um, there's like two that really stick out in my mind. The first one is Resident Evil 6. Um, super excited for that. All my favorite characters in the first game, in the game together for the first time. And it was just like a bloated, distended mess. <laughs> um <clears throat> And then, and distended. Wow. Yes, at once. Um, and then Mortal Kombat versus DC was like pretty mm. disappointing. Um, like that should be good, right? Like you know, all these cool DC characters, all these cool Mortal Kombat characters fighting against each other, and then like it comes out, they weren't allowed to make it MA or anything above because of the ca- the characters. Like you're not allowed to rip off Batman's head, and the the heroes can't kill people, so they've only got like non-lethal attacks like it was just like it was just yeah it wasn't good it bankrupted the company that's how much we know like (laughs) like it killed midway um but yeah it's probably harry i saw you nodding along with a lot of that did you have another you wanted to mention there controversial pick uh death loop breath of the wild oh oh death loop oh yeah that is interesting yeah big arcane guy I was really excited for it because I love Mooncrash and Deathloop is basically Mooncrash but bigger. And um, I was very disappointed. Yeah. What about it didn't capture you? Um, I feel like it, it? it just doesn't... No, I, I I could go on about why I dislike Deathloop for a very long <laughs> time. Um, but the gist of it is that I don't think it delivers on the premise at all. Um, I don't think it has like the same flexibility of player choice as their prior games. Um, and it's just like way more watered down and simplified than it probably should have been. Fair. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you holding back because you, you, I feel like you're trying to pay, <laughs> pay rapid fire question the respect it deserves, but it was nice to get a bit more detail on that. Uh, and Brody, what's your answer? Um, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Um, and more recently, oh, yeah. Anthem, really I good. suppose. Anthem was meant to be hot as fuck, and that was just shit. Anthem did sting. Yeah, I thought about Anthem as well. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, that that might have been another one that really just like you read the reviews for that coming out. It's like this is way below what everyone was expecting. Evolve too. What happened to Evolve? Anyhow. Turtle Rock fucked up. Evolve, true. Mm, yeah. Speaking of games with that much longevity to them, Evolve was one of those. <laughs> uh, speaking of games though, with lots of longevity to them, we're still going years later. What the wiki is the press start podcast game show where the previous weeks were not reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and we the contestants must guess the game. A point is awarded for each correct guess, and the round ends after one person scores two points. Currently tied in first place, we have Brody and James with fourteen points apiece. Uh, I am just behind on one. Kieran just behind again on twelve. Shannon on nine. James W on nil, and Harry entering the scoring today. Maybe you can back uh, a couple of points in the process. Um, as last week's winner, James, you are in the hosting chair today. Take it away. Okay, let's go, fam. <laughs> Everyone's ready. <laughs> Good. Um, the game is an action-adventure puzzle platformer, and the player controls the main protagonist. Environments are seen through a controllable third-person view. The camera's view changes to different positions, triggered by entering certain areas or performing certain actions. The player character can be moved in all directions, and they're able to manipulate large objects such as blocks and levers connected to mechanisms. It's so generic, Shannon. What do you think it is? Secret Agent Clank. It's not. Sorry. Ewan. Yes, Ewan. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. You guys are fucked up. No. (laughs) The main character restores health by the main character. No, it wasn't. The main character restores health by drinking water from pools and fountains. Collecting sand increases the yes, Brody. Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. it is Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Yes. May she rest in peace, Brody. No, she's been rebooted and she's starting again. God bless. But rebooted, like, defibrillated to the chest, you mean, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what the word for it is, but it's it's almost necromancy at this point. Okay, let's go. The game is a player versus player versus environment video game. In the game, the player assumes control of a blank. We must complete a series of challenges set by a sinister artificial intelligence to uncover a way to destroy it. The game features multiple suits of armor, with each having its own weapons and abilities. For instance, Roadblock is a tank character who is equipped with a shield, the Witch Doctor is a supporting character who can heal other players, and Barrage is an explosives expert. Yes, Shannon. Nah, I don't... Overwatch... Two or it's one, not, babe. Sorry, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. <laughs> Secret players, <laughs> players can change Literally. their classes during gameplay or apply rigs to their characters, which grant abilities from other classes. Players can also progress through the game's survival paths to unlock new skins and cosmetic items. It's coming. Uh, you ready, everyone? The main mode in the game no, is no, Dino no, 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 Survival. No. Two teams of five players must race Harry? against Shannon, each other. Shannon, 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 Shannon. Harry was first. Oh, <laughs> he was. That's gonna be it. That's gonna be a listen back. <laughs> Harry was I think Harry was first. first. I think back. I heard it too. Exo <laughs> we'll Primal. It is Exo Primal. Congratulations, well Harry. Well done, Harry. Entering the scoring. Okay, let's go. Harry won. Brody won. There's an Shannon apology Nunn. brewing. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> it was clearly first. No okay. 
imagining things. Shannon. We'll say you should okay, have the, the game is a real time strategy game, and it requires players to build a base with structures to produce units, gather resources, research upgrades, and provide defenses. Units are used to attack the enemy and defend the player's base. Unlike the first game, players can build Brody. an unlimited number of structures anywhere on the map. Yes, Brody. StarCraft 2. No. Players Shannon. can build walls to... D- yes, Shannon. <laughs> Age of Empires 2. No. Along with this, <laughs> each <went>. faction... <laughs> <laughs> Civilization 2. No. Definitely. Each faction's fortress is uniquely equipped with a special power reach only by purchasing necessary upgrades. The game's hard called the Palantir shows the player's hero units and their abilities, a minimap, and objectives. The story is divided into good and evil campaigns. The good campaign focuses on Glorfindel. Yes, Shannon. Warcraft 2. No. Brody. The good campaign focuses on Glorfindel, an elf who is alerted to a planned attack on the elven sanctuary of Rivendell. With help from the dwarves and other good forces, the elves attempt to eliminate... Yes, Brody. God. Nah, I'll bow out. In the evil campaign, <laughs> Sauron sends the mouth of Sauron and Nazgul yeah, to muster wild goblins. Oh, okay, so we all know it's all a Lord of the Rings RTS of some kind. We're all just game, don't know the title. The game is a 2006 real-time strategy video game developed and published by Electronic Arts. You the are second part. Yep. Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth. No. Brody. Oh, Shannon, sorry, oh is it close? Shannon, Shannon. Shannon was next. <laughs> Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth 2. Yeah. Oh, goddammit! <laughs> Look, I deserve that. I don't even feel bad. God damn it. That was me literally pulling words out of my ass, and I, I forgot I, it was I, a sequel. Well, very productive ask you. Gollum's Revenge. Um, Gollum's yeah, Revenge. That's, that's the next game. That's going to be next week's episode. <laughs> okay. Last uh, one, hopefully. It. Wow. It's live. It's live and firing, <clears throat> isn't it? really is. Gameplay in this game is an amalgamation of action role-playing and survival horror. The developer achieved this gameplay design by rendering the experience as a first-person shooter and adding character customization and development, which are considered signature role-playing elements. Sorry, that was not me, obviously. The player player uses melee and projectile weapons to defeat enemies, while the role-playing system allows the development of useful abilities. Navigation is presented from a first-person view and complemented with a heads-up display. The game takes place on board a starship. The player assumes... Yes, Ewan. Is this Dead Space? It's not Dead Space. Brody. Feck. System Shock? It's not System Shock. You are Shannon. (laughs) Titanfall. No, Shannon. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) The player assumes the role of a soldier trying to stem the outbreak of a genetic infection that has devastated the ship. Gameplay consists of first... You're you're out, Yui. Gameplay consists of first-person combat and exploration. It incorporates role-playing elements in which players can develop skills and traits such as hacking and psionics. Everyone's back in. Yeah, Harry? Is it... Harry, what's it? <laughs> you first. I've got lag. I've got lag. Is it, <laughs> is it prey? It's not prey. Brody, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a chance on psyops. No. Okay. The backstory is explained progressively through the player's acquisition of audio logs and encounters with ghostly apparitions. I'm going to skip to the last paragraph for the sake of time. Why do I, the, I know it? 
The game, Ewan? you're gonna all, Ewan. you're all gonna kick Ewan. yourselves. Yeah, you and Shannon. Yeah, oh, are we? Are we gonna kick? Is quickly. it Soma? No, Shannon. It's it's yes. not Bioshock, is it? No, it's not. Ewan. Why do I know that? <laughs> the game is a 1999 role action role playing survival horror video game designed by Ken Levine and co-developed Brody. by Irrational Games. Originally intended, yes, Brody. Uh, System Shock <laughs> 2. I don't know. It is System Shock 2. Thank oh, you. Yeah, I figured that out too late. Fuck, you know. Well done, everyone. Sorry, I had what? horrendous a horrendous lag. chaotic round. <laughs> well, Brody, you bagged the two points. You've reclaimed your lead. I would 16 to ahead of James. Uh, Shannon closing the gap on 10 points now, and Harry on one point. So points, points for, for everyone, everyone bar me, <clears throat> unfortunately. Uh, but with that, let's bring that to what was this week's episode of the Pressed Up Podcast. Subscribe to us on Listener or the podcast service of your choice. Follow us at Pressed.au and visit the site at pressedup.com.au, where you will find Harry's review of Diablo 4 and James's review of Street Fighter 6, amongst all the other news and reviews and editorials and bargain guides and everything else we write over there. Uh, we've been joined today by James. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at James, A-T-J-A-M-Z. Also joining us today was Brody. Thanks, you can follow me on most things at Brody underscore DG. I sense Brody's internet starting to... Yeah, <laughs> progressively. To, Gollum's starting to get in there and he's played around with all the wires. Um, joining us for the first time in a long time, it was Harry. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Harry underscore Callow, K-A-L-O. And lastly, I was going to make some sort of Gollum reference, but... My precious, you could have called be. me in that My would have precious. Gollum, <laughs> <made>. <laughs> Gollum stand. Okay. Uh, it was Shannon. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me at Shannon Grixty. And I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, happy gaming. Bye. Bye. Bye.